The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to Raising Good Humans. I'm Dr. Lisa Pressman. My first book, The Five Principles of Parenting, Your Essential Guide to Raising Good Humans, is out now. In this book, I've wanted to quiet all the noise that's out there and distill the science into five core principles. And using those principles, you can solve absolutely any parenting challenge, giving you the confidence to raise good humans. Order now and give yourself a little bit of ease. Welcome to Real Pod. It's your host, Victoria Garrick Brown, and this is the podcast where we hold nothing back. Oh, so we're getting deep, huh? I really cried for 12 days straight. Why do I want to be perfect? There's nothing in my life that is perfect. Every week, I'll bring you honest, unfiltered, and eye opening conversations to help uncover the real in all of us. I crave the type of content that you're talking about. I actually felt insecure. Oh my God, am I going to cry? Let me just unload everything. <laughs> New episodes every Wednesday. Leave those filters at the door because it's time to get real. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Real Pod. I'm so excited because I'm in my cozies. I am snuggled up on a big chair in my office. I'm cranking the heat in the apartment. I brought myself up a bag of chips to snack on, but then I realized that I cannot eat chips while recording a podcast because that would just be not great for you listeners hearing me chewing and crunching. But the bag is here and I'm looking at it and I will certainly eat it as soon as we are done recording. And I just sent out a link to all of my VIPs. My VIPs are in my Instagram broadcast channel. And if you're not in there, you should get in there. It's so fun. It's like daily spam thoughts, jokes, funniness, gifts, and opportunities like this from me. So shout out to the VIPs. Love you all. They submitted some amazing, amazing questions. And I figured we could just do a Q&A, a good old-fashioned traditional Q&A. You ask me whatever you want, and I will give you an answer. So this is fun. It's kind of like a Russian roulette. I don't know what the questions are. There was no theme. So let's dive in. Hey, Victoria. My name's Sarah. Love following you and Max and Aubrey and Corporate Natalie around on social media. I just have a quick question about how you keep track of all the things on your to-do list every day and not feel overwhelmed. I feel like I've been overcommitting myself a lot recently between social life and work life. And I'm just curious on your best tips and tricks for not getting too overwhelmed with things going on in life. But love you so much. Thanks. Sarah, I love you too. And that was such a great question. Literally the perfect question to kick this off. I couldn't have planned it better myself. And Sarah, you were literally the first person to submit. So I love that. I love this question because I have been thinking about this myself pretty often. And I actually just had a big meeting yesterday with the lovely people that I work with to go over this because I feel like I'm constantly having a schedule that's unpredictable and I'm traveling. And although I would like to say I'm not a chaotic person and I'm usually pretty self-aware and grounded in like the centered type of way, like I don't think any of my friends would describe me as chaotic, which I'm intentional about. However, my schedule is chaotic. And I think I'm able to deal with that because of college sports. Shout out. I think that's one of the things I took away is like how to manage the impossible. So 
when wild things happen, like flying to Houston, then flying back to the Golden Globes for 24 hours and working through the entire weekend and then launching a five-day challenge for the first time and signing an exclusive partner to my nonprofit. Like there's all these things always going on. And I figure it out because I just do. It's just something I have in me. And I really think it's the athlete part of me. But it's not sustainable and it's not necessarily enjoyable or how I'd like my life to be curated. And so I recently had a meeting recently, as in literally yesterday. And what we did was we went through the different parts and buckets of my career and really got granular about putting them into different tiers, like a tier one, a tier two, and a tier three. And I'll just be really specific with you guys. So like the tier ones for me are social media, like content creation. That's a tier one. That's feeding the machine. Okay. There's real pod. That's a tier one. I freaking am obsessed with this podcast and all of you. And I, I love doing this. It's five years strong. And then there's VGB projects. So anything that my team is creating that is personal to us and the brand, like the five day challenge that we just did, which I loved. And we also have something exciting coming up soon. So those are my priorities. Those are my tier ones. Those are the things I want and need to be doing for the business to thrive and for me to be happy. And then my tier twos, that might be events, that might be speaking. Not that I don't love speaking, but it's just not a tier one for me. Why is it not a tier one? Because I don't love being on a flight every other weekend, because I don't love being away from home and from Max, because I don't like the jet lag, because when I go to an event, I lose so much time that could have been spent on other aspects of the business. So it's not that I don't love it. It's just that's not where I want the majority of my time. So I'm putting it in the tier two bucket and going to get really specific about I will do three speaking engagements a semester. I I still view things as semesters. I'm like semester one, semester two, and summer break. Once again, that's how my athlete mind views it. I don't, the Q1, Q2, I never worked a corporate job, so I don't know the quarters. Someone needs to tell me what they are. But I'm, I'm just creating a number and I'm capping it at three. And once we book three, if anyone else is inquiring and really wants to make it happen, we'll move it to the next semester or we'll move it to the summer. Like we're going to section it out. And of course, there's exceptions. Like if something amazing came through that I was really excited about, yes, we can add a fourth. But I just had to kind of create these boundaries and these guidelines to my work life. Otherwise, you quickly say yes, 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 yes. And then you're just crying on the floor and feel behind in everything. So I just did that. And I recommend that you can do that as well. In the episode I just did with Ella last week, listen to that if you haven't. It's a great episode. But I recited some of James Clear's questions that he asks himself at the end of each year. And an example of that is, is the energy I'm putting into this matching its importance? And I will find myself putting so much energy into things that don't really matter. And so I'm trying to be better at that. The last thing I'll say is it's so important to have a calendar or a notepad. I wish I was better writing out my daily tasks and to-dos. I really have been treating my Google Calendar as like my Bible. And we have it down to drive time and lunchtime and workouts. Like everything is in there color coordinated and categorized. And it's just made my life so much better. And my new philosophy is adhere to the systems. I'm so grateful to have an amazing, amazing employee who works with me full time. And she's the best. And 
she's a genius and that's why she's here. She is figuring out what's priority, what needs to be done when. And I'm reminding myself that I need to trust that and adhere to the system and look at my calendar and do what's on the calendar and not get distracted because I also get distracted and I get a text. I'm like, yeah, I can take 20 minutes to give you advice or fill that form out. And then it's like, I'm behind on all the important things. And then I, you know, it all adds up. So I'm trying to be mindful. And the last thing I'll say is it's okay to say no. We have to say no. And when you say no to something, you're actually saying yes to something else. So no to that dinner is a yes to the you time on the couch or no to driving to that event is yes to avoiding sitting in two hours of traffic, which is miserable. So I said two big no's this week that if three years ago I had those opportunities come through and someone told me you're going to say no to these, I would be like, oh, why Why would I ever say no to those? But now I'm literally at a point where I'm like, is it contributing to either of these three buckets in tier one? Or is it something that I simply want to do and I'm excited about? And if it's not, I just have to remember that this is helping me create the centered life I want to create. Anyways, I just ripped on that for a while, Sarah, but it was a great question and something that is top of mind. All of that to say, I want my 2024 to be centered. Great question, Sarah. Thank you for kicking it off so beautifully. This next question is from Kate. Hi, Kate. Hi, Vic. My name is Kate. I'm from Texas. And I had a relationship question. How did you know that you were mentally in a good place regarding your relationships in life? Or even with Max, do you ever find yourself taking dips in your mental health surrounding how you have to shape your relationships? Or even with friendships, just knowing how to prioritize you versus prioritizing the relationship. I hope that makes sense. And if you could talk on it, that'd be great. Love you. Kate, I'm obsessed with your voice. I feel like I could listen to you talk all the time. You should have a podcast, Kate. But great question. So I think that I also recently had a big epiphany when it came to relationships and input versus output. And it's so funny because Kate and Sarah kicking it off with two things that are literally top of mind for me. But if you listen to my New Year's episode with Obs and Nat, you would have heard me talk about how I want to have chill girl bystander energy this year. And that was really in regards to relationships. I feel like I have been too invested in people, too involved in their lives and their situations. Here's an example. There's a relationship I have and I feel like I'm giving a lot to this person because I feel like they don't have a lot of other people. And so I feel bad that they feel lonely or they don't have a hobby or they don't have other friends. And so I'm like, I should call and I should be available and I should do all these things with them to compensate for the fact that they might otherwise be feeling lonely. And when I was talking about this with my therapist, She's like, the fact that they don't have hobbies and they didn't make more friends and they didn't prioritize social is not your problem to fix. It's not fair to Victoria to take that on and try to be the thing that fills all those roles when it's that person's problem. And I don't want that to sound like I don't care. Of course I care. But I literally didn't even realize that. I'm like, oh, I'm being such a good friend. Like I'm helping them because they don't have these things. But it's not my job to be the solution to the fact that they don't have those things. This person needs to create more friendships. This person needs to put themselves out there, needs to find more hobbies. So yes, I love them and I want to hang out, but it can't be 
to a point where I'm no longer enjoying it because I'm filling a hole that they have in their life. So that's just one example of many. And I feel like I frequently am trying to fix things for people. I'm trying to make things better. I'm trying to predict the future and do something before it even needs to be done. And I've recently been telling myself, unless someone comes and asks you directly, like, Victoria, what's your opinion? How would you handle this? Could you come over and blah, blah, blah? Like, I'm not going to insert myself. And it's actually been wild to me to realize how people directly asking me to do things is like less than 10% of the time. Yet I was acting 90% of the time, like I was doing all those things and no one even really, maybe they don't even need me to do it. You know, like I'm putting it on myself because I, I have this belief that I know the way and I can help people and I know. And what if I don't? And so great question, Kate. I have really been taking a step back from giving too much in relationships and just trying to show up and kind of match the energy. I don't love saying match the energy because I I believe we should all be authentic to ourselves and our own energy. And if someone's not giving a lot and they're vanilla, but you're not that way, don't just match that because people say match their energy. Like, be your energy and own your energy and love your energy. I feel like I lose my energy when I'm giving too much and trying to like mind read. So anyways, that's my two cents there. I also just did an episode with a friendship expert. So she was amazing. Check that episode out with Danielle if you're interested. But great question, Kate. And I hope that that was helpful. We're going to take a quick break to talk about the sponsors of today's episode. First, I'm going to give a shout out to AG1. I love AG1. I literally drank mine this morning driving to my workout. I shook it up in the canister that actually came with my first purchase, and I brought it in the car with me. So it could not be easier. AG1 is a foundational nutrition supplement that makes taking care of your overall health super simple. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day. It makes me feel energized. It gives me my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics, and more. So literally this morning, I poured my water into my AG1 shaker. I did my one scoop. I shook that up and I brought it with me into the car. I also brought a straw because if I'm driving and drinking something, I need a straw. And I literally drink mine in like probably less than two minutes. And it's amazing. And then I go about my day knowing I've given my body the nutrients that are the most important. So if there's one product that I had to recommend to elevate your health, it's truly AG1. And that's why I've been partnered with them for so long, truly years now. So if you're interested, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 plus K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash realpod. That's drinkag1.com slash realpod. Once again, head to drinkag1.com slash realpod where you can get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 plus K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com dot com slash real pod. Check it out. Today's solo episode is also sponsored by Bite Toothpaste. Let me give you some fun facts that you probably didn't know. Did you know that you swallow five to seven percent of your toothpaste every single time you brush your teeth? That's an entire blob of toothpaste every five days. I had no idea. And did you know that Bite Toothpaste makes dry toothpaste tablets made with ingredients that are sulfate-free, palm oil-free, and glycerin-free, and incredibly convenient. 
Bite toothpaste bits are so easy. You just pop a bit in your mouth, chew it up, and start brushing. It will turn to paste just like you're used to, but with no plastic tube or messy paste. Using bite toothpaste bits is honestly so fun. It's like having a snack late at night. You pop it in your mouth, you get a chew, and then you start brushing and boom, there's toothpaste. It's like magic. My personal favorite positive side effect of using bite toothpaste bits is that I don't have that gooey green blue blob in my sink that I then have to like clean out with my fingers. You know what I'm talking about. You can avoid that altogether with bite toothpaste bits. They also come in refillable glass jars and they send refills in compostable pouches. So they're better for the earth too. No more plastic toothpaste tubes. Bite is offering RealPod listeners 20% off your first order. We love it. 20% off. Just go to trybite.com slash RealPod or use code RealPod at checkout to claim this deal. That's T-R-Y-B-I-T-E dot com slash RealPod. Trybite.com slash RealPod to get 20% off your first order. All right. We're back to the show. Hi, Vic. I just wanted to ask you if you've ever experienced dealing with a place that has hurt you or dealing with trauma that you associate with a certain place and how you deal with revisiting that place and coming back to that place after you've tried to heal from it and how you would go about something like that. Thank you. I love you. Bye. Ah, that is so sweet. Hello, anonymous VIP. Thank you for your very deep and meaningful question. I have experienced this. I have more of a trauma trigger with certain things that might happen in my life or in relationships. So I know this question is about a place. And when I think about a place specifically, yes, I can recall times where I'd come home from summer break and I would walk into the volleyball gym in college and I would just smell it and feel fear because of the performance anxiety I dealt with when I was playing because of the stress and the pressure. And it just, it really came to me with the scent of walking into that building. And I really do believe exposure therapy is the best when it comes to something like this. Just the more you go, there was this traumatic thing that happened in my life. And I do have this picture that reminds me of it on my phone. And I've just never deleted it because I don't know. There's just something about like keeping all the memories. And sometimes when I'm like scrolling back to find something, I'll like see this photo and it's jarring. But then like over the years, it's really helped me feel less trauma when thinking about that incident. So exposure therapy, I think, is really helpful when it comes to the things that our mind tells us like we can't handle. And the truth is that you can handle it because you lived it and you got through it and you're still here. I'm not saying you need to go through it every single day. Of course not. But exposure therapy can be really helpful. And for anyone who's not familiar with exposure therapy, it is what it means. It is slowly at your own pace, incrementally exposing yourself to the things that cause you fear. And over time, you become less sensitive to them. I was dealing with some intrusive thoughts last year. And in therapy, my therapist would have me say these things out loud that were my intrusive thoughts. And I was very scared because I was like, if I say that out loud, holy shit, like I'm manifesting it. It's going to come true. And, you know, she was walking me through. It's not. And the more we say it and we talk about it, the less those thoughts will come in and rule your brain because 
you're not afraid of them anymore. And I was literally like so not wanting to do this exercise, but I did it and it helped a lot. So I think exposure therapy is big. I hope that that helped. Hi, Victoria. My name is Emily. So happy to be asking you a question. I'm a huge fan of you and RealPod. I hope you know that you have such a big community of people behind you who love you so much. My question to you is a little bit about a breakup. I broke up with my boyfriend of four years at the end of 2023. And it was something that kind of felt like it was a long time coming. But I didn't really come to the realization that that was something I wanted to do until pretty much right when we broke up. Nothing major happened. I just think that we were growing apart instead of growing up together. And, you know, that's totally fine. But I can't help but look back on some of the things I maybe tolerated too much, you know, whether it was just minor inconveniences or things that we didn't agree about. And I wanted to know if you have any advice on not being hard on yourself in the past. And instead of being like, oh, I wish I did this sooner or I wish I should have said this in that time, how to just live more in the moment and take those experiences as lessons instead of being so hard on yourself. And I think that can relate to a lot of situations in general. So I hope that this question would be helpful for people in relationships, but also just people having trouble dealing with some of the decisions they've made in the past. Thank you. Hi, Emily. That was such a great question. And thank you for the kind words. I know what you mean. I will frequently think about something I did in the past, whether it was just simply cringy. And I'm like, oh my God, I never want to think about the fact that I sang at the talent show in front of the whole school, right? Something like that. Or something deeper where like you no longer align with the actions you made in the past or the things you said in the past or the things that you did in the past. And at the end of the day, a few things helped me with this. And one of my favorite quotes and real pod listeners will have heard me say this before. You did the best you could at the time with what you had and what you knew. Literally anyone at any moment is doing their best. Now, I'm not saying that it's their best work, but like any way anyone acts, and I honestly get a lot of this from the So Much to Say book series I did with Aubrey because it was all about ego and enlightenment and awareness. But however you act is the best you can do in the sense that it's what you're doing. So if you could have said the nicer thing or you could have been more patient or you could have taken a breath, you would have, but you didn't because for some reason, like you're not at that place yet in your life. So everything in our lives that we've done before today has made us who we are. If you look back and say, oh, that was such a waste of time. I should have never been in that relationship or I should have never worked that job or I should have never gone to that thing. You wouldn't be the you today who takes away the lessons and the knowledge that they have from that experience and allows you to make a better decision in the future. And so a life without making mistakes or having to overcome things or struggles isn't going to allow you to become as dynamic, layered, and special of a person. And actually, Rain Wilson shared that with me on the episode that we did together because I always get tangled up with the why do bad things happen to good people quote. And I feel like that has a lot to do with this. It's like, oh, I wish I didn't do that. And I didn't do that. And then my life would have been perfect. Right. And I would have just, everything would have always worked out. But if everything always works out, is that even like a life you really want to have? Like without the pain and the suffering and the sadness and the regret, you can't actually have appreciation for all the positive things in life. So I would look at it as balance as those are the things that then allow you to have good 
in the present moment and in the future. So I hope that that helps, Emily, and you're certainly not alone. All right, we're going to take one more quick break and then be back with the final questions. This episode is sponsored by Element. I love Element. If you haven't tried it yet, you have to try it. It is one of my favorite drink mixes and it is full of tasty electrolytes. Element helps everyone stay hydrated, truly. Electrolyte deficiency or imbalance can cause headaches, cramps, fatigue, brain fog, and weakness. I feel like with the craziness of my life that I was explaining earlier in this episode, I am grateful for things like Element because when my body starts to feel it and takes a toll, I'm telling you the first thing that I reach for is Element specifically the raspberry flavor, because it is so bomb. I feel like from my first few sips of Element, I'm just like, yes, okay, my body's coming back to life. And not only do I love Element, but U.S. Olympians use Element, professional athletes in the NFL, NBA, NHL. And the Element co-founder is a former research biochemist, a two-times New York Times bestselling author, and has now sat on the Navy SEAL Resiliency Committee for over a decade. And he co-founded Element. So go to drinkelement.com slash realpod to receive a free element sample pack with any order when you purchase through our URL. So this is special for RealPod listeners. You will get a free sample pack. You can try all eight flavors. So don't miss out. Go to drinkelement.com slash realpod. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T dot com slash realpod drink element.com slash realpod to receive a free element sample pack with any order when you purchase through our URL. Look out for the raspberry, citrus, and orange flavors because those are your girl's favorite. This episode is also sponsored by Heineken. What's up, Heineken? I love a good Heineken, particularly Heineken Zero Zero, which is an alcohol-free option to the original Heineken that we all know and love. It has 100% the taste, but 0.0% alcohol. That means it's perfect for all of the times where you would like a beer, but can't have the alcohol. For example, maybe you're participating in dry January. Maybe you are at lunch in the middle of a workday and you're like, I got important things to present or phone calls later, so I can't really have a beer. But now you can because you can have Heineken 00 which has no alcohol. Not to mention, if you want to drink on your night out, but skip the hangover and that morning haze, now you can with Heineken Zero Zero. I feel like the older I get, the less and less I want to drink, even on weekends. So drinks without alcohol are the go-to. Do not miss out on Heineken Zero Zero. Once again, Heineken Zero Zero has 100% the taste, 0.0% alcohol. So you can click the link in our RealPod show notes to buy now. You must be 21 years of age or older to purchase and make sure to please enjoy Heineken responsibly. Okay. We love responsible people. So click the link in the show notes to buy now. You must be 21 or older to purchase. Heineken 00 is 100% the taste and 0.0% alcohol. Please enjoy Heineken responsibly. Okay. Back to the episode. Hey, Victoria. First, I just want to say thank you so much for being so real, genuine, and authentic all the time. I appreciate your advice on the daily basis about absolutely everything. I've recently started a teacher Instagram, and I'm kind of dabbling into Instagram in a different type of way than I ever have before. So I would love to hear maybe your top three tips or tricks or pieces of advice for someone who is beginning Instagram in that type of way. Any advice, things to focus on, I would really appreciate it. Thank you so much. 
Hi, Julia. Of course, I'd be happy to help. And I love that. I think if anyone is curious or interested in pursuing social media, you definitely should. I know that the biggest first hurdle is the fear of other people's opinions. My friends and family who follow me are going to be like, why is she posting like this now? She thinks she's an influencer. You know, there's all that judgment that we fear receiving. But just honestly, you got to push past it because if this is really what you want to do, it's such an exciting, fulfilling, rewarding, and great career. I mean, I'm biased. So I want to make sure anyone who's interested can pursue it. And I would say as far as tips and tricks for trying to build an Instagram from scratch, definitely go off of the page you already have. I think people will usually say, oh, I need to start a whole new account. That's like Julia, the teacher. And then you have your personal and you have like your other account. I'm personally not a fan of that. I think that our personal life and who we are is so a part of whatever it is that we build. So I'm not saying you have to talk about your personal life in the way that I do, but I think that you already have your platform and it's the 50, 80, 100 people who already follow you. And now you can just start posting more content and talking more about the things you're passionate about. Definitely be creating video content as well on Instagram Reels and everything you put on Reels, you should put on TikTok. I think one of the things about creating content people don't realize is you don't have to create like 50 pieces of content for each different platform. You can create one piece of content and then streamline it. For example, let's say that I want to make a video about intuitive eating. So I might make an Instagram reel about intuitive eating. And that is a video I post on Instagram. And I post the exact same video to TikTok. And I post the exact same video to YouTube Shorts. So now that's three pieces of content, but it's all the same thing. And then maybe I get inspiration from that video and I pull my favorite quote. And now I tweet that quote and I put it on threads. So I say, my number one tip for intuitive eating is XYZ. That's now a tweet and it's a thread. So now we have three, four, five pieces of content. And then maybe you post to your stories hey, check out the video I just posted and ask me any questions and I will answer them here. So now you're creating even more content in your stories about that one piece of content. So definitely think about streamlining your content, especially when you start out. Everything can be posted everywhere. And then the last thing I'll say is quantity over quality. People get very perfectionist in the beginning. Oh my gosh, this video has to be amazing. If this video doesn't go viral, like I shouldn't post tomorrow or I'm posting too much. It's annoying people false. If you want to grow your social, you got to post. Think of it as endless opportunities to step up to the baseball plate and take a swing. Instead of three strikes, you're out. It's, hey, you have unlimited strikes. You could just strike, 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 strike. Keep going, keep going, keep going. Oh my God, holy shit. Now you have a viral video. And then tomorrow could be another viral video. So that's the fun of social media is you never know and you have limitless opportunities. So quantity over quality. Obviously, you know, you don't want to post like a blurry photo with no caption, like that quality we don't want. But don't think everything has to be a home run. It can just be an attempt. Does that make sense? Of course, I made it a sports reference. Anyways, Julia, I'm wishing you the best of luck and thank you for being a teacher. I love that. Hey, Vic. My name's Janelle. I want to first of all say that your podcast is everything to me. Like, literally listen to it all the time and it's my favorite ever. I'd like to know how you navigate maybe other people in your close circle talking about weight or, you know, needing new, like, they lost weight or they gained weight or I don't know, like anything like that. Like, how do you deal with other people maybe saying things that are triggering to you? 
And uh, like, how do you say that nicely? Or how do you navigate them to help them? Like maybe you realize that they're in a bad like cycle of eating, uh, maybe binge eating or something. And like, I don't know, how do you navigate that yourself? Thank you. Great question, Janelle. And honestly, a few years ago, I might have been like, well, honestly, I have a great circle of people and I don't deal with that quite often anymore because everyone knows how I feel and my platform, blah, blah, blah. And I feel like I don't know if it's the rise of Ozempic, unfortunately, or it's heroin chic coming back. I don't know what it is, but I feel like I have been more exposed to those comments and things a lot more recently. And it has been hard. And it's really reminded me what that's like. And it's been a while since I've been in like, you know, girly group settings where everyone's talking about weight and their body and spring break. And like that, I think has changed for me. That was very high school, college. And then now I work alone and my friends are a certain breed of friend, you know, so I don't see it as much, but I feel like over the holidays, I saw it a lot with family and extended family and I'm seeing a lot online. And I even had someone who I'm like very close with who should never make a comment, like make a comment about my plate during one of the events. And I was like, I was so taken aback. I literally sat down with my lunch and this person says, whoa, you're going to be hungry for dinner? And I I literally was in disbelief. I'm like, you have to be fucking kidding me. Like, that's literally the bit of like a video I would put on Instagram, like someone making that comment. Like, how unaware are you? And I just quickly said, yep. And then ate my lunch. And like, that's all I said. And I think there's a few things you can say back. You could say, yep. And just move on. You could, you could say, did you mean to say that out loud? You could also say, oh, sorry, I didn't hear you. Will you say that one more time? Chances are like, they're not going to want to repeat themselves if it's like so insensitive. So there's a few witty things you could say back. And then as far as like just the environments being difficult, I think conversations and calling it out are really important, especially with people you're going to be around a lot. And I did this over break as well. I was in a scenario where a lot of people were talking about this one person's body and it was whatever in the beginning. Yeah, I'll be thick skin. And then I was like, this is just every single conversation. Let's move on. And so I think I did say, okay, hi, can we, can we just stop talking about that? Like, come on. Like, and I, and I gave like a, you know, charming, but also kind of curt, like there's nothing else to be said. Like, let's find other things to talk about. And that kind of shut it up. And so I think, you know, it's, it's okay to do that. And of course there's deeper, more sensitive ways to approach those conversations with someone like saying, Hey, like, I know you love and care about me and I really appreciate all that you do for me. However, it's not super helpful when you make these comments about what I'm eating or my body, just because I'm doing a lot of personal work and I feel really good about that. And just know that like I have everything figured out, but if I need your help, I'll come to you and I'll ask. And I think that's another way to kind of lay it on easy to a mom or to an aunt or to a sibling. So Janelle, I hope that within this answer, there was something that's going to help you in your situation. But it is tough. It is definitely tough. And when you find those good nuggets and people who get it, keep them close. Keep them close. Okay, we're going to do one last question. Hey, Victoria. In a previous podcast, you mentioned that you took Lexapro in college. And as someone who is currently on my uh, mental health medication journey, I was wondering what led you to choosing that medication, what your experience was like on that medication, and how you decided when to stop taking it, 
and what that experience was like for you. Love you. Ah, love you too, Mackenzie. Yes, I was on Lexapro in college. I got on it because I was incredibly depressed and I felt like I needed something else outside of just working on myself and therapy to help me cope with the sadness. And I talked to some friends about it and then I talked to my therapist about it. And then my therapist was aligned, you know, we can set you up with a psychiatrist and he will help you know, figure out what exact medication would be best for you. And going into taking meds, I was definitely feeling like, wow, you know, it going to therapy is the first like, whoa, like I'm going to therapy. And then getting on meds is like, whoa, I'm getting on meds. And there can be a big stigma with it. And I certainly felt like, wow, I need something else to act or be a certain way. And that can feel defeating. But you have to remind yourself that if you tore your ACL or cut your knee open, would you refuse the stitches? Would you refuse the x-rays? Would you refuse the band-aid? There are things outside of us that we need to help heal. And it's the same with an injury or a scratch on our brain. And so think about it like that. You know, this is a special Band-Aid or this is a cast that I'm using to help me heal the same way I would accept a cast on my broken foot. You know, you wouldn't tell your foot, oh, come on, I'm just going to keep walking and you're just you're just going to figure it out, right? Like view it the way we treat our physical health and then hopefully we can be a bit more gentle. And as far as being on Lexapro specifically, it was honestly the first one that I tried and it worked pretty well and I didn't experience any side effects. And so I stayed on it. I know that that is very lucky. And there are people who have to try a bunch of different medications and mixtures until they find the right one. I would say as far as its effect, I just felt like it was numbing and kept me from really hitting like the bottom bottom. It also didn't let me hit the top top of like happiness and joy. You know, it was kind of like that neutralizer. Like, let's say it's like a pool and being in the shallow end is like you're happy and not depressed. And me sinking into feeling really depressed is like being at the very bottom of the deep end. I feel like the antidepressant for me was almost like this thing in the pool that keeps you from going like into the very, very deep end. And it keeps you more in the middle, which is like helpful when you're wanting to avoid those really darker, deep moments. I will say, though, please talk to a mental health professional that you work with or if you have access to a doctor to have these conversations because it's different for everyone. And I definitely think it has to be a a multitude of things that we're doing to heal. And just taking a pill and me not going to therapy or me not having conversations about how to improve my life or my situations or my toxic environment, you know, it it all needs to work together. So it's not a magic pill that you take and then you're no longer going to be depressed. Like it's working on all the things and that's part of the solution. So just keep that in mind and definitely consult with, you know, the professionals in your life. As far as getting off of it, I think I was on it for two years. And then when I took my quick mental health leave from playing volleyball over Christmas, I started to wean off of it because I just felt like I was out of this environment and I wasn't playing volleyball anymore and I was feeling happier and I was just in a different headspace. And so I slowly started to wean off of it by just taking less and less and less incrementally. And then when I came back to play my senior year, I was not on it. I was able to kind of tap into the tools and the 
big break I had taken that was really helpful for me. I wasn't in therapy my senior year and I still dealt with performance anxiety and my ups and downs, but it was definitely my best year mental health wise of college sports. I'm all for destigmatizing meds. Live, love, Lexapro, I like to say. Anyways, this is the end of our Q&A. I hope that you all enjoyed it. Thank you for submitting such thoughtful and sweet questions and for all the compliments. It literally like makes my whole day. I love you guys so much. I feel so grateful for our special relationship and community and thanks for being VIPs and we will do something like this again. So I'll see you all next Wednesday. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of RealPod. If this hit home or helped you in some way, send it to a friend, a teammate, roomie, share the love, share the realness. New episodes of RealPod come out every single Wednesday. So make sure you are subscribed to this podcast so you never miss an episode. To leave a rating or review of the show, head to iTunes and let me know what you think. I love hearing from you. Not to mention, you can stay connected with RealPod throughout the week, seeing behind the scenes info and sneak previews of upcoming guests by following the at RealPod account on Instagram. All information about today's show and guests will be linked in the description of this episode. Thanks again for listening. I love you guys so, so much. Let's go dominate the day. And as always, keep it real. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.